welcome to Health, Happiness and Homeopathy. Hello, my name is Madeleine Innocent. I want to help you reach your greatest potential through holistic means which are both logical and empowering. Communication, cooperation and collaboration. We all know what communication and cooperation are, at least for the most part, but what's collaboration? According to the Cambridge Dictionary, it's the situation of two or more people working together to create or achieve the same thing, or acting, being, or existing together. And I would swap people with any being. Similar to cooperation, but that's defined as the act of working together with somebody or doing what they ask you. So cooperation isn't necessarily good for both or all of the parties. We certainly don't want to cooperate with somebody or somebody who asks us to do something that is not in our best interests. Sadly, many do if they're paid. So many people hate their jobs, for example. They don't know what else to do. However, communication cooperation and collaboration is really important for all animals and that does include us. They're intertwined with each other. Communication comes in various forms, body language, feelings, telepathy, smell, verbal, I'm sure there are many more. Language is one of the least useful forms of communication because it can easily deceive Feelings, telepathy, body language and smell are all much more reliable in transmitting what the individual really wants to convey or receive. Traditional people can hover their hand over a recent track and pick up very specific details of the track maker. Animals all use these forms of communication by, uh, in addition to their voice and generally more so. And this is, of course, how they can quickly determine whether somebody is trustworthy or not. In our upside-down world, where everything has been flipped on its head, we've been led to distrust these forms of communication, which are the most trustworthy. Communication, at least verbal communication, appears to be more important to mammals and birds, and perhaps this is where it may be more complex. Insects don't seem to do a lot of verbal communication, at least not within our auditory range, but they most definitely communicate, cooperate and collaborate with each other. Many have very organised colonies or lifestyles. Reptiles are generally solitary, so verbal communication is probably not so important to them. Birds communicate verbally a lot and it's really important to them. They welcome in the day and seem to just sing for the joy of it. From our homeopathic provings of birds, the verbal communication seems to suggest it's more about expressing who they are rather than the exchange that can be found in mammals, but that's only on the verbal level. Birds who live in flocks need to communicate, cooperate and collaborate Even the more solitary birds, such as the falcons and eagles, do cooperate with other members for, example, um, sharing the spoils of a hunt. Fish who live in shoals cooperate. 
Solitary fish tend to cooperate with other species more, such as the coral reef fish with the coral. Both birds and fish give stunning displays of cooperation in their unified movements. Birds collaborate with each other in their in their migrations at um at the and it's really interesting in their migrations because they'll swap, they'll take it in turns to lead and to follow because the lead position is much more physically demanding. Most animals protect their young. Birds and mammals do so, often fiercely or creatively. Think of a drake running away from his family, dragging a wing to divert a predator. In elephant herds, when threatened by predators such as hyenas, they'll make, make a circle of protection around their young. They're very cooperative. From our current knowledge, it seems that mammals have the most complex way of verbal communication. Even the solitary mammals, such as the cats, excluding the lions, or bears, their verbal communication with their young is very complex. Most other mammals live in groups. Living in a group does mean communication, um, is it cooperation and collaboration is vital. A group means you're safer, but of course it can also mean that you have to sacrifice some of your freedoms. Most of us live in groups, at least in family groups. There have always been people, other than traditional people, who could communicate energetically or dynamically to some degree. Some have made good animal communicators. People who are around a lot of animals can be too, as long as they aren't influenced by the normal human agenda. They have to be free to be themselves. There are some lovely stories about the human-animal relationship and how the human, human interpreted what the animal wanted to communicate. It's very inspiring. One of my favourites are the books by Peter Gethers with his cat Norton. As a self-confessed cat hater, when Norton first turned his head and looked straight into Peter's eyes, there was obviously a soul connection because his heart melted and he fell in love. Another favourite is the book by Forrest Bryant Johnson and his bobcat Trooper. At one point, their spirits merged and Johnson, as he preferred to be called, experienced what it felt like to be a bobcat. Everything was more intense, sounds, smells, colours, than he was ever used to. Now, this level of verbal communication is coming to a new level. Now, when you talk to an animal, you'll hear an answer in your head, a verbal answer. It will be just like talking to another person, but it'll be in your head, so it might be a little bit startling. Animal responses do tend to be very thoughtful and conversational and wise, and they never lie. Some animals are likely to be cagey because of the human feelings towards them as a species, probably snakes and coyotes and fleas. Some people some animals are way too busy to give you any time. Squirrels are generally too busy, and as are ants. Communicating with animals is just the same as communicating with people. Be respectful, introduce yourself, don't immediately launch into what you want to talk about. Be conversational, don't assume they mean something unless they say so. 
Don't talk down to them and don't baby talk. You could ask what their name is. It'll be a name their mother or family group gave them rather than the name you gave them. You could ask how they got that name. Maybe start by asking them what they've been doing. Listen politely and then tell them what you've been doing. If it's an animal you live with, you could start by announcing that you'd like a better way of communicating with them. This wider communication with other beings will not just be thought-provoking. They bring greater wisdom. It's not unlike very young children, although of course it can be difficult to interpret sometimes what young children mean. Parents often say their three-year-old is going on 30 as they can see a problem and suggest a perfect solution that works. They access what's known as vertical thought. In our linear form, our thinking is linear. We need to have one thought to the basis of another, and so on. And that's what education is all about. You work up step by painful step. In vertical thought, or telepathy if you prefer, you get all the information at once, but only when you need it. So you have a problem that can't be Receive, uh, resolve, whichever way you look at it. And then you, you get a eureka moment and know what to do. History is littered with famous people having experiences like that. Newton and Einstein are good uh, examples. It's always been available, but now everyone will be able to access it easily. This is happening now because there's a universal expansion of consciousness. Not everybody will get it quickly. It will be a progression as more and more people wake up to the universal law of natural love. Animals are all about natural love. They cooperate within their group, but they also cooperate with other groups. There are many examples of this, not just with humans, but the animal connections make it more poignant for us. One example is when animals such as wolves adopt a human baby or abandoned child and raise it as part of their family. Another example is when snakes bite to defend themselves rather than to immobilise their prey. Not only can they measure the amount of venom they inject, they can also bite without injecting any venom. This is known as a dry bite and it means they're more likely to get away safely as they created a distraction. The Russian nobleman turned uh, anarchist, Peter Kropotkin, was born in 1842. He was a naturalist and a biologist, and his research in Siberia showed collaboration between members of a group, as well as with other groups. He commented, Wherever I saw animals live in abundance... I saw mutual aid and mutual support. He went on. I saw mutual aid and mutual support carried on to an extent which made me suspect in it a feature of the greatest importance for the maintenance of life, the preservation of each species and for evolution. We must be prepared to learn someday from the students of microscopic pond life Factors of unconscious mutual support, even in the life of microorganisms. 
Microbiologists have since found examples of cooperation within microbial communities, including mutualism or cooperation between different species, um, symbiosis, uh, relationships between different species, such as birds picking off insects or from big animals, altruism and dynamic shift between selfish and selfless strategies. This stands in stark contrast to the political view of Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest, which paints rather a simplistic view of, of evolution. Life is not a war against each other. When you consider your own body, life is all about communication, cooperation and collaboration. As your body, uh, with sorry, of your body, of your biology, with your spirit and with your mind, you could say that's on a micro level. And then projecting it, you could say that the world reflects this naturally on a macro level. The interference of that comes from our minds when our perceptions are distorted away from natural love and collaboration. When we move away from this natural love and collaboration, we lose self-respect. But when we move back into it, we discover synchronicity. Moving away from this comes with disease, when we lack ease within ourselves. I feel men in particular are having a hard time at the moment. They feel disharmony and have no idea why or what to do about it. The way boys are brought up tends to impose much too much responsibility onto their young shoulders. They're taught to ignore their hearts, their feelings, to be more analytical. And I believe that's one of the greatest disservices ever imagined. Isolating your heart and your feelings not only creates someone who is divorced from their true selves, it leaves them floundering. They don't have access to their support system. And of course, that leads to fear. But as men have been taught not to show fear, as that shows weakness, they express it as, as anger instead. Not only does this affect them personally, it affects their work, which becomes cold and lacks compassion. Once men come back into their true whole selves, including their heart, they become easier and happier within themselves. And of course, easier means no dis-ease. On a micro level, so on a macro level. I'm reminded of a man who consulted me. He was very troubled by those he had hurt in the past. One particular person was an ex-girlfriend. In the weeks that followed his homeopathic treatment, synchronicity struck. He met her. Not only that, they had a good conversation that totally released him from his worries. She hadn't carried any pain. It was only his perception. Good homeopathic treatment is a wonderful tool for letting those damaging perceptions fall away for allowing your true self to emerge in all its glory. And that can only lead to a life in harmony with yourself and your world. This is how animals in their natural state are all the time. The interesting parallel that I see is that animals who live in groups abide by that group's rules. They're small, self-contained, 
self-organized communities with no central control, which operate by communication, cooperation and collaboration, rather than by conflict. This is exactly how humans lived before colonization. There were no country borders. These were established by the colonialists and they remained after independence. They're false forms of dividing to conquer. Peter Kropotkin was also a great believer in returning humanity to these small, self-governing communities. I have to wonder if it started with the exodus of so many people from troubled, war-torn countries flooding into so-called safer countries. There are always energetic reasons for something that appear to our linear mind or linear way of thinking to be heading for disaster. My feelings are that humanity is going through a thorough spring cleaning. Lots of dust and chaos before everything settles into a new harmony, which I believe it will, but not before we accomplish a lot, by letting go of these false perceptions, by accepting we need to communicate, cooperate and collaborate with all other species, and by taking responsibility for ourselves and for those in our care. Till the next time, good health.